you know, I don't think God meant us for, for small stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that, I thank you for saying that because my first thought when I read that is who wants us to live a smaller story? And my thought was for those who are faith-based folks, listen here, it's the enemy. You know, he does not want us living a big story. It should be difficult if we're trying to do something of value. And, and yeah, to the, and now I got to admit some of these people I'm reading here. Well, here's another one. Bethany, she says imposter syndrome. It's a big one for me that I feel like I'm constantly working on simply believing in my value as a professional in my field is a big deal. Welcome to the Ziegler show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and I'm here to inspire your true performance from the framework established by Zig Ziegler, one of the top motivators and personal development leaders our world has ever known, who believed we could all be more, do more and have more. How? By improving ourselves, beginning with how we think about ourselves. So today let's break down some personal development. Hey, in show 631, I talked with Mastin Kip, author of the book, Claim Your Power, where his primary focus is finding your purpose. And the vehicle is understanding and overcoming past trauma. Now, don't just think tragedy, but any event in your life that helped create limiting beliefs, which we all have. It's a powerful show. Again, it's number 631. If you didn't listen to it, I really encourage you to, to tune in. But I've just been enamored with the message and have been working through the book in detail for myself. But I wanted to hear more and hear from you regarding Mastin's message of hope and turning your trauma and limiting beliefs into power. So I asked on Facebook, what is a limiting belief you work to overcome? And I ask it in that way because you may have, may never totally get rid of some of those limiting beliefs, even if you're able to succeed anyways. And that is the point is to overcome them or to move beyond them, even if they still are there to some degree, or you have to manage them. So it's a big deal question, of course. And we got great responses. Tom Ziegler joined me to read through the comments. I think you'll greatly, greatly appreciate hearing real people dealing with real issues and striving to overcome them. So we'll get started right after I share some great resources with you. Okay, here then, Tom Ziegler and I read through your comments again to this question. What is a limiting belief you work to overcome? If you want to join these weekly discussions, you can friend me on my personal page at Facebook, Agent K Miller. Agent K is in Kevin Miller. All right, folks, here we go. Well, Tom, this question this looking at, well, Mastin talks about traumas in your life, but ultimately we're talking about limiting beliefs. I mean, you know, this, this is the heart of Ziegler is taking what we all have these limiting beliefs and moving past those though. Again, you know, I, I, as I told you a minute ago, I first phrased this question as what is a limiting belief you have overcome, which I feel like that's, that would be the going perspective. But then the admission to myself is, man, there's so many things that I wonder if I'll ever overcome them, but if I'm aware of them, I can at least recognize them and move beyond those or, or, you know, perform beyond those succeed anyways, even though, well, as I put on Facebook and everybody, a lot of people responded to, I just shared myself and I said, Hey, one I I, I have to deal with a lot is imposter syndrome. I've done, I've interviewed, I don't know, 150 people now. I've gotten rave reviews. I I've done 300 and some podcasts. I, I'm, I'm, I'm decent. Okay. Why do I often have that feeling of imposter? It, it makes no sense at all, but it's, it's there. I got to sometimes recognize it and go, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay attention to you. I am good and go on it. But, uh, yeah, just th there it is. And that's, 
well, we all deal with it. That was the point. Yeah, man. I, I think mine limiting belief, uh, and it's funny because it always shows up, right? It's like you get past it at a certain level and then it comes back again. You're like at a new level and then it's like, well, wait a second. So mine is that, uh, am I worth it? You know, because what do I do? I, I speak, I write, I coach, I train and I get to go to places and they pay me money. And then I get too busy and I raise my fee and I'm like, well, am I worth that? Mm. And, (laughs) and you know, and it's some, and I tell, we have a bunch of coaches. We have like almost a hundred certified coaches now. And they say, what should we charge? And I say, well, that's a good question because what are you worth? Mm -hmm. I tend to think you're priceless. Right. And the reality is, is that if you don't charge enough, people don't take it serious. Yeah. You know, somebody said, if Warren Buffett ever wanted you to coach him, what would you charge him? I said, Oh, that'd be easy. I'd charge him a million dollars. And then after that, it'd be a hundred thousand an hour and we would donate it to charity, (laughs) (laughs) but he would not pay attention to me. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's just, let's, but you know, following, and, and going out representing Ziggler and going on stages that dad's been on. Do you also have that limiting be- belief of comparing yourself to somebody else? And that's just not, that's not scriptural. That's not what God said. You know, dad's definition of success was, you know, success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. Mm-hmm. He, he's not comparing my, uh, my effort, my outcome, my intent, against gifts and talents he gave other people, right? He's just wanting to know, what are you doing with, that I, with what I gave you? And so we've, once you get that focus right, okay, I'm here to do the best I can. Uh, and then that limiting belief of, golly, you know, uh, I, I just, in my head, who am I? You know, part of me is like, golly, I'm Tom Ziegler. I'm that guy yesterday who did that stupid thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of me is like, wait a second, man, I'm a, I'm a child of the King with, <laughs> with all of that that comes with it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, that's a, to me, that's like a, it's like a continuing. And then you keep that balance of, of uh, growing and humility and then continuing to grow and stepping into it. So there's a lot to be said for that place in your life where you say, you know what? if the door is there, I'm opening it. Yeah. Right. And I don't have to know everything because I know the people who do, I know who does. Yep. Yeah. And just realizing that we have value that we can give to other people, even in our imperfectness. I mean this, so here, here, this imposter syndrome that I led off with, uh, had a rash of people right after it. Gregory says, ditto on the imposter syndrome. Andy says the imposter syndrome is huge. I'm very good at what I do. However, the feeling of inadequacy sometimes is overwhelming. Uh, Christy Bowie says, yes, preach. It tempts me to live in a smaller, I love this. It tempts me. So the imposter syndrome, that, that perspective, it tempts me to live in a smaller story. I have to push past it and do it anyway. I'm very much in a season of this right now. Having a strong why is helping me greatly and keeping me moving forward. 
Man, I love that. Ah. It reminds me of that movie, The Greatest Showman, which I watch oh, like yeah. I watch it every time I'm on an airplane longer than three hours. Oh, beautiful. Because the whole story is about he creates the story, that this big story. And he goes through the trials of it, but he gets it. And then in the middle of it, he understands what's important. Uh, but what story are we putting ourselves in? You know, I don't think God meant us for, for small stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that, what, I thank you for saying that because my first thought when I read that is who wants us to live a smaller story? And my thought was for those who are faith-based folks, listen here, it's the enemy. You know, he does not want us living a big story. It should be difficult if we're trying to do something of value. And, and yeah, to the, and now I got to admit some of these people I'm reading here. Well, here's another one, Bethany. She says imposter syndrome. It's a big one for me that I feel like, like I'm constantly working on simply believing in my value as a professional in my field is a big deal. Here, here's another one, Kim. Duncan, she says, every day I work on overcoming imposter syndrome. I've worked my way out of debt and I want to help others do the same thing through my blog and eventually paid coaching. I'm working on a plan to increase both my visibility and my credibility. And it's like a roller coaster. Some days I'm superwoman and nothing can stop me. Other days I get such stage fright at the possibility of no one responding to my work or worse for people thinking I'm a charlatan or a fraud that it paralyzes me. So some of these people, again, I know and, and they're amazing. They are professionals. They're experts at what they do. And I hope that hearing this helps other people just be at peace with the fact that they feel that way sometimes. And to some degree, if you are self-aware, you do know your faults, right? I mean, we should know our faults. Somebody who doesn't know their faults is a psychopath, I guess. It would be the other side of it. <laughs> we should know our faults, but then we also have to, 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 to bank that with that we do have value. We do have expertise that we can give anyways. And especially if there's an area that you've done well, that you've helped and somebody's giving you a testimony said, yeah, you helped me. I mean, you, Tom Ziegler, you've probably got a novel's worth of testimonials from people to say, Oh my gosh, Tom, I came to you for mentoring, for coaching. I, I, I paid you and I have now achieved X, Y, Z success because of it. Thank you. Well, you can't deny that it would be It'd be ignorant on your part to deny that and to say, obviously you can help people, even though you get up with yourself in the morning and know about, like you said, the dumb thing that you did yesterday, and you probably will do one today. And yet if you can help people, you can help people. So I, I, I hope that people are here throughout this show, um, kind of, a, a, a making peace with, man, the best, the best feel that way. They should know their faults, yeah. but can you give value anyways? So Kevin, do you ever yeah. feel this way? Like, uh, cause I know you pour into other people and you, they come to you, they've got a challenge and you coach them, you mentor them, you give them some ideas and, and they go out and they come back and they like, man, I did what you said and it worked. And in your head, you're like, why don't I do that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, so that's another story that we tell ourselves is, Hey, you know, this, this is good for them, but it's not good for me. Uh, what, well, goodness. Okay. You're calling me to the mat here because I sit here every week doing these shows, two shows a week. And I say things, talk about things that I know people who know me intimately, uh, like my wife may, may be listening to, you know, and they know me. And so talk, it, it either forces 
uh, either falsehood in me or humility. And so we talk about that. We'll sit around the dinner table and talk about one of these, you know, somebody I interviewed, whatever, and talk about this and what the show is about. And, and I'll have to talk about it. And guys, you know, I struggle with this. And I think I say that, I hope I do on the shows that I'm pretty transparent with that. But here's an area that meant I, I, I know the truth and yet, uh, I don't always do that. Well, truth is easy. I think application is brutal, often brutal. <laughs> well, here, check this one out. This is, this, this is a heartfelt one. Carolyn Delaney, she says, um, her issue here, limiting belief is that if people really knew me, she had that in quotes, really, if they really knew me, they wouldn't like me. The depths that I sank due to alcoholism and addiction were pretty low, including homelessness. Now, 26 plus years into recovery. I've owned my own home for 20 plus years. I've led ID IT departments for 18 years. And now I'm a business owner for the past three, having been pretty transparent this whole time, people do know me. And yet as I branch out into a, a new community of business owners, I have that. What if they, they find out mind chatter, man, that is, I, I, I think that just speaks for so many of us, so many, I mean, how many successful people out there who've had successes in certain areas still have that? I like that her term there, that mind chatter, which is, Hey, that's you, Tom. That's Ziggler. That's self-talk right there. The heart of it. Yeah. Well, what I like about that is it's, it's just so, it's just so real. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I, I have this saying that I've, I've shared it many times on the Ziggler show. And that is, you know, the reason we think we can't is the very reason we should. Mm. And, and I don't know her situation, but when I hear about somebody who is where they are, and then I find out that they had to overcome that, mm -hmm. that gives me more hope. That gets me more excited. Yeah. And so I would like, I, you know, my, my thought on that is I would change my, my, my mental thing of instead of what if they find out, to man, I can't wait till they find out because they're probably going through something that's that's different but requires the same amount of overcoming in, in a different way. And if they can see some, you know, how I did or how somebody else did, that's going to give them hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, there was a consultant I ran into one time and he said, Look, I got 10 consultants on my staff and I won't hire them unless they've started a business and lost it. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I go, really? Why? And he goes, cause they don't know. Yeah. Right. They don't know. And now, you know, for all of us listening, who've had that, 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 that exciting thing of starting a business and losing, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the heartache when your baby, uh, your business doesn't make it. Yes, I do, Tom. Thanks for pointing that out. I appreciate it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So, so tell him he can call us. Uh, we've yeah. been there. <laughs> Here's uh, Evan Herman. He says, Kevin, I was bullied both verbally and physically growing up in grade school, elementary, and even high school. My limiting beliefs uh, that I've been overcoming for years is just that I am worthy of success and that I am valuable. Uh, there, I mean, again, that's a huge swath of everyone listening here right now, especially those who were told, which I, you know, I wasn't, you weren't either, Tom, you had a dad, you had parents that, that affirmed you, that encouraged you. Um, I did not experience personally what Evan did there and in him having to realize, is he worthy of success 
is he valuable? I have seen that in some of the people, you know, my history currently, Tom, my reality, and I'm dealing with some people who have come from hard places like that. And yeah, I would say that they do not feel worthy of success. And to that degree, I don't know that they can accept that. That's a big mind shift. Yeah. And you know, that's the big challenge of, of you see people who achieve success too fast and they do everything they can to lose it because they're so uncomfortable. Um, and so what we've got to do is understand, Hey, we are worthy, but we also have to have a foundation. And so, you know, people get, um, gosh, you know, people would come to dad all the time and they'd say, gosh, I, I don't know, you know, this is going really well. I'm just waiting for it to crater. And so his, his, his mental kind of approach was, well, let's not worry about what could happen in the future. <laughs> let's look at the foundation. Mm. So he would quiz them on the foundation. Are you doing this? Are you doing this? And it's really the wheel of life, right? Is your relationship solid with your wife? You know, do, are your kids good? Are you taking care of your health? Uh, do you have wise financial counsel for your personal life and your business? And he would just go around the wheel of making sure that the foundation was solid. And then when they made new decisions, they were getting wise counsel. And that's how we really grow into worthiness. A lot of times hmm. God said, Hey, you know what? You are worthy. But then he said, there's this thing I gave you. It's called a brain. You got to go and develop it. You got to use it. There's wisdom and, you know, the council of many, and there's principles and philosophies and, and values that you live by and that we do. And there's, you know, relations. So those are all foundational things. So we are worthy, but we're worthy. Now we need to do worthy things. I, and I'm so glad that you said that. I, I feel like, I mean, here we are, we're in the personal development, the motivation, the inspirational world. And there are a lot of folks and you've been uh, exposed to them more than I have who want to take somebody and just give them that message. Hey, you are worthy as you are right now. You are worthy. Believe it. And it's really hard for that person to, because they realize, and they know they haven't really done anything worthy. They haven't been worthy, but they can be. And I see those folks when they go forward and do some things, take some baby steps, do have some successes and prove to themselves, then it can just cascade into you know, some great worthiness, but on the other side, yeah, people who never do something that they're proud of for themselves, man, it, it, they can't accept that message. And, and to some degree, I don't know if this is blasphemous to our industry, but they shouldn't, I mean, they, they, they are a child of God. Yes, but they need to do, you know, they, I guess you, you, now we're into works and grace, huh? We're going to get into some doc, doctrinal yeah, but uh, messiness here. But you know, you, you tell somebody, Hey, you're worthy or you're bound for mighty things or, you know, you can do it. Well, what are the habits that they're practicing on a daily basis that are automatically going to produce the fruit of that? Yes. Right. And so we've got to step into that belief. I am worthy. And then that belief has got to be supported by the foundation of these habits. Yeah. Right. Worthy yeah. people do worthy things. That's a good line. That's a t-shirt right there, man. I'll, I'll wear that. You can send that to me for Christmas. Okay. Thanks. I'm writing it down. Thank you. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Uh, here's a Daryl Rostick, man. I relate to this one. He says, uh, it's the belief that I have to grind 
G-R-I-N-D, that everything is supposed to be hard. This belief has caused me to miss blessings and opportunities because I would shy away from anything I didn't hustle or grind for. Although I'm aware that work, that hard work is part of the process and the adventure, my thought process can be that I'm weak if I accept a handout. Man, that... I relate to that. Uh, I know a lot of people do. There was a guy today who was asking the question. He's a leader and he was asking the question, uh, when is sometimes the most productive thing you can do? When is it just to stop? And I thought, man, that's, that is hard for me. I think I have, I appreciate production. I appreciate growth. I appreciate like Daryl did, you know, get in there and grind and work hard. And then I don't, I have guilt when I'm not doing that. And that's not good. That's, that's not Sabbath. That's not rest. That's not recovery. That's not, uh, rejuvenation, renewal, all those things. I can't, you can't produce all the time. And yet, man, I get stuck in that. It's probably pretty indicative of yeah the business world, right, Tom? I mean, that's where we put value on hard work rightly yeah. so, but yeah, well, it's because we identify and our self-worth comes from the last thing we did. Well, yeah not who we are. That yeah. one of the things I envied mm. my, you know, dad on was, is that, man, he could work like crazy. And then we might stop at Brahms, you know, get some ice cream. Oh, the faces that he would make the lip smacking that he would do. I mean, for that 10 minutes when he was eating that ice cream, there was nobody in the world who enjoyed ice cream more than my father. <laughs> And then we would sit in church, right? There was nobody who enjoyed just taking notes and listening and being a part of a service than my father. And then going out to lunch with friends, man, there was nobody who got a bigger. So he had this like superhuman ability to, you know, not value himself on his work, but give it a hundred percent. And that allowed him wherever he he went to just be all in with it. Yeah. You know, I, he just didn't get distracted very often. We could play golf, we, wherever we were. Uh, I want to be more of that person. We have so much content towards that topic right now of being present, being in the moment. And that, uh, it's something that I have to really embrace and take to heart. Uh, well, Steve Rosen, who we all know, he says, it's the lie that I'm lazy. When in fact, I'm taking time for self-care and wellness. It's hard to let go of the grind mentality that Daryl above mentioned. Five years after retiring from the army, I still feel like I should be doing more. Same with my business. The voice in my head saying, you should be doing more. Thankfully, I'm learning to relax and take downtime with no guilt. I'm still not able to fully unwind and let go, but I know that I eventually will. Yeah, there's so much in there to unpack as I think about myself, Tom, of my, yeah, do I, do I drive, is my self-image attached to what I do, not who I am, and do I worry? And this comes back to your dad, who didn't worry, and that was, gosh, when I met you guys personally, which was, gosh, a bunch of years ago, five, six years ago, heck, I don't, I don't know, it's been a while, and, and him talking about that then, I don't worry, man, it was really hard for me to accept that, really was. Yeah, it's about seven years ago. Yeah, I think um, it has been. Yeah, we're recording this just a couple of days after Dad's sixth anniversary of his graduation to heaven. So, <laughs> I, yes, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it was like seven years ago, and it's funnier the 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 older Dad got, the more he said, "I never worry." Yeah. Um, 
and he believed it. I mean, he didn't. The the doctor's reports and everything were like, man, for your schedule, you're you're in really good shape. Because <laughs> he just never took on the stress or the worry. Well, we all have learning to do in that arena right there. Well, here's um, here's a, here's a serious one. Heather England. She says, I deserve pain. Her, her limiting belief is that I deserve pain because I must have done something wrong or I'm not worthy of being treated well. Growing up, I was bullied almost daily, sexual assaulted by a trusted adult, and my home environment was consistently tense, walking on eggshells to prevent getting in trouble. I've done a ton of work on myself over the past 10 years through learning to love who I am, including my talents, my past, and my faults. I believe it is possible to heal and to create new thought patterns through implementing positive habits. Well, interestingly, Steve Rosen, and this is the beauty of, of Facebook and posting these questions and people have these conversations. So Steve said, Heather, wow, thank you for being so open to which she responded. I'm an open book and writing a tell all so I can be even more comfortable with this. I've truly found peace with my past and forgive any transgressions. It's amazing how much love you can find for yourself once you fully overcome adversities to which Steve replied. I agree. The relief of making peace with my own childhood has been liberating. I'm glad you are finding the love. Tom, I, I don't know what to add to that. That, that was, uh, uh, that hit a lot of, that hit a lot of soft spots, uh, for yeah. a lot of people. I'm sure. Well, that's, that's why I think we have the best podcast community in the world mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> because of what they do for each other. It's just amazing to me. This happens every week. Yes. Yes. And, and I, again, this, these stories, bringing them out is, is significant. I would encourage folks, if you're listening, these happen. I just do these on my personal Facebook page at agent K is in Kevin agent K Miller. You're welcome to come there and, and join these things. It is. Yeah. These it, it's, it's richer content than we could ever just bring, uh, alone. Because these are the real stories. These are the real people living real lives and hearing this and seeing the overcoming and hearing the true stories is I think what ultimately allows us all to be able to say, Hey, I can do it. I mean, this is what your dad led most every presentation with was his personal story that showed him coming from such hard circumstances that it made us all kind of feel like, Oh my goodness, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's a permission that we all so dramatically need. Well, Hey, Maureen here, she says, um, uh, the limiting belief that I am enough simply because of belief in Jesus and being created in the image of God. I have big dreams. God willing, he will move mountains. But what if God has other plans? I'm still enough. It's hard to really believe when so much of society is merit status based. God loves us regardless, but so much of love seems conditional. I am loved and worthy because I am a child of the King. I mean, this is something again, Tom, that's, you know, it, it is easy for us to say, but she's right. Just like you talked about our society is merit and status based, and it's hard to understand. And I re I understand this with, again, a loving upbringing. It's still hard for me to really conceptually embrace the fact that love or at least like is not somewhat conditional because we're humans. And when I'm a jerk to my wife, she's not very friendly back to me, you know, <laughs> and it does feel that way. And I'm trying to you know show my kids that, man, I can be upset with you, but I still love you. And that, man, that is, that is hard. This takes a supernatural understanding. It's like peace be all understanding. This is understanding be all understanding. Yeah. Well, you know, it goes back to the number one cause 
of a poor self-image is a lack of unconditional love. Mm. And, you know, a lot of times it's all conditional. That's what the world gives us. You know, Mm -hmm. you do a good job. We pay you, you, you know, you, you wear the right clothes, then you'll, you'll fit in the group. You, you say these things, then you get this, Um, but but it's unconditional love. And then when we get unconditional love, (laughs) what do we think? Oh, they want something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, what's their game. Sure. So it's hard. It's hard to do that. And and when we can accept unconditional love and give unconditional love, then that takes us in, you know, into that, into that place we were meant to be where it's who we are and whose we are, not what we do or what we have. Yeah. Gosh, you're so right. I mean, it is, that's a, this is a hard place to be because we want to have uh, taking my kids, Francis, we want to have unconditional love. So they're loved anyways. And we've got, uh, sports things these days where they're trying to say, Hey, everybody's a winner who crosses the line is a winner. And yet we have the workforce over here saying, no, you get paid. You're going to have be employed based on your performance. You're going to pass or fail. And amongst that juxtaposition, we have to, we have to carry all those things. And that's a hard, it's a hard balance. That's uh, that's why we need each other. Lisa Castone, a limiting belief for me comes from both personally and professionally, I've had low self-esteem from when I was little from being made fun of for being overweight up through high school and college years until nursing school. I didn't feel worthy of a relationship or success because of my weight in nursing. I found a calling purpose and confidence and my weight wasn't the forefront of my worth. Since I've had weight loss and healthy lifestyle success, my low self-esteem manifests in other ways in my professional life in the way of fear of failure. It's a limiting belief that manifests from low self-worth and self-esteem that creeps up. Even though I know they are not valid feelings, I work hard to identify when that fear starts to rear its ugly head and address it or talk myself out of it before it manifests to which again, Steve came back in and responded here. He said, Lisa, I've also found that losing 25% of my body weight felt great, but it didn't fix the deeper stuff. And yes, being aware of the negative thoughts is huge. Well, folks listening to this, this is show 634, not too far back in show 627. We had an interview with Lori Harder, L O R I. Uh, and she talked about this on her own transformation physically. And we got into talking about that, that I, and I had a similar one as a kid. I was, a I was a, a big, big kid and, you know, then became an elite athlete and I was not that big kid anymore. And yet the mental image we have from ourselves, uh, that sometimes even when the realities change that our mental self image may not change. And they, I think that's why we have those perspectives of, you know, Hey, being, being uh, fit and beautiful doesn't fix everything. Being rich doesn't fix everything. It can help, but we still have those inherent self images. Tom, you've probably seen this a million times where somebody has gone from a to Z. I mean, they have achieved, they have had a success and if their head's still not there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They've never, they've never let that catch up to them. And, and, and the realization that, you know what, um, Golly, it's like the, one of dad's famous stories was the Tom Hartman story. And he ended up, I think, losing about 200 pounds. And when he was in the grocery store, he'd lost a little bit of weight, but he still had like 150 to go. Uh, A five-year-old in the grocery store pointed at him and said, Hey mama, look at that fat man. Mm. And Tom Hartman said he turned around to see who the kid was looking at. And then he started laughing because he knew at that minute that he was going to lose the weight. 
And the reason is, is he had listened to the audio so much. And in his mind, he had envisioned himself in the person he was going to become that he already had the mental self image, the mental, like literal mental picture of himself being athletic, fit and trim. Wow. Okay. And so one, you know, one of the things we say at the office is, Hey, it's an inside job. Yeah. You know, so we can teach systems, techniques, processes, habits, all that stuff, but it's an inside job that you, that you become that person. And a lot of people only work on the outside. That's, that's why the gym thing is so hard for everybody because it's something on the outside, right? It's not, it's not who I am. It's what I do. Mm-hmm. So getting in shape is not who I am. It's what I do. Yeah. And so when you, when you start mentally talking about, Hey, you know what? I'm getting fitter and fitter every day in every way. And the mind starts to believe that then all of a sudden, Hey, you can, you can, when you look in the mirror, you see the true you, right? The, and if, and if the picture's off, maybe you're not quite there yet and you're a little thinner in the mirror than you are in real life, <laughs> your body's going to make it fit the picture. Just like the people who lose all the weight and they look in the mirror and they're still fat, they eventually, they're going to gain the weight back yeah. because they can't stand it. Yes. So it's an inside job. It is an inside job, that mental picture. Well, here, speaking of that, here's one, George Reese. He says, I tell, I tell myself that I am disorganized and guess what? I'm disorganized. I need to tell myself that I can be as organized as I want and do one simple thing each day to work toward being more and more organized. But in 58 years, I have not taken this step. Maybe your question will motivate me to do so. Uh, George, I appreciate the admission and just being open with that. And, you know, Tom, this comes back to what we talked about earlier, that if you, you know, to feel that worthiness, we do need to take some steps to do some things that are worthy. And it feels like that for, for George, whether this is, you know, taking a, a, a class in organization, getting some help or, uh, whatever it may be, it sounds like he needs to, yeah, get that win for himself. It's just like you talked about, get some mental self image of what it looks like for him to be organized. Yeah, I would, I would just change my thought and it would just be, say something like until now I, I was disorganized and in this one thing right here, I'm very organized and they just do it. Mm-hmm. Organization is kind of a here and now thing. It's not a next week thing. Yes. Yeah. And I would, I'd pick an area there too, where he really wants to be, you know, like if you think I should organize the garage, but you really don't care, that may not be the best place. Start with a, where's a place that you care. I like my living room to be organized. Uh, I do know that because I, I want peace there. So I organize it. I care about it enough and I am not an organized person. Um, so yeah, find a place that matters and start there. Well, Hey, here's, here's a, gosh, this, this sits on some issues we've been talking about. Philippa Channer. She says, uh, our limiting belief is that I am not a finisher, that I will fail to see things through hundred percent. I would set goals for myself that were too limited. I cut myself short of blessings. Like I wanted to lose weight and I did. My goal should have been, I wanted to live a healthier lifestyle that would allow me to lose weight and then keep it off. So eventually I gained it back just to what you said a minute ago, Tom. Uh, it's like something in my brain triggers once I accomplish the first part of the goal that signals my brain and push, pushes me to pursue more beyond the first step. Um, I want to break that cycle. I want to dream bigger and deeper and keep reevaluating my goals to extend them higher. So my brain doesn't get that sense of, okay, you did it. You can stop now. Boy, that's how that's, I love how she 
said, kind of like looking at the diet is a diet, something that you do, you, you go on a diet for a certain period of time, as opposed to, do you adopt a healthy diet for life? And we see the results of that. The people who do the former gain it back. Just like you said, the people who do the latter are the ones that keep it off. And yeah, to what she said, having that long-term view, which brings us back to the heart of Ziegler's goals. You know, what is that end result you really want? Is it sustainable? Is it tenable? Does it have enough roots to keep you going? Yeah. Yep. I like, uh, you know, the words dad said the number two reason for his success was persistent consistency. So consistency simply means when you have a worthwhile goal or objective, you do it every day or as often as necessary. Persistency means that when you do it, you get up a notch. Mm -hmm. And so for everybody listening, who's interested in health success, relationship success, career success, financial success, personal success, whatever success you're in, here's a secret for you. Practice PC, practice persistent consistency. And so if your goal is to live a healthy lifestyle, so you get all those benefits, consistency just means that you work on it five, six, seven days a week. And persistency means as you go along, you learn something new and you implement it and you keep taking it up a notch. Mm. I mean, I mean, since I've known you, Kevin, you've changed to what you eat. You, 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 you've changed your exercise patterns. You, you've done a lot of things as you grow and as you learn new things, because you know that there is no such thing as perfect health, Mm. right? There's just a little bit better, right? A little Mm. bit better than I was the day before. So everything in life is that way. Yeah. I think it's amazing to me that when, when you look at dad's career and how he became maybe the greatest speaker ever walk on stage, that's all he did was persistent consistency. Mm consistently he worked on his presentations five, six, seven days a week by preparing, by going over them in his mind, by writing something new, by incorporating it. And then he had the persistency to try something different and actually put it into place. Uh, If you listen to his early recordings versus his later recordings, the the words and the phraseology was just a little bit tighter. It was just a little bit Mm -hmm. simpler. It was just a little bit easier to remember that didn't just happen. I mean, those were things that he was constantly figuring out his body movement and everything that he did, you know, through his, through his prime, that was all specific to get uh, more engagement from the audience, more take home value that they would actually implement it. But all he did was PC. He just worked on it every day and he improved it a little bit, just a tiny bit every day. And that is such an inspiration too, to realize, I think we so often want to discount those who are masters. They are experts. They are, you know, brilliant as the word uh, goes and to realize that they're not superhuman. They're not something more than what we could be, but they did work at it hard, which is the point of our habits show is to showcase. These are regular people who generally came from hard areas, not privileged areas. And yet they just day in and day out consistently did the things that they needed to do to have success. Those habits, which like my buddy Tom says, fastest way to success, replace a bad habit with a good habit. All right. I'm going to end on one and, uh, I'm going to give permission. I'm going to give people permission to quit. You ready, Tom? Yeah. All right. See what you think. Sally stone King. I'm going to read two real quick. Sally stone King. She says, I have had things I wanted to make and sell, but then I think of things I will have to learn to make it a reality. 
like taking good photos of the products or dealing with the taxes. And I worry, I won't worry. I won't be able to do it right. So then I don't even finish the projects. I have some stuff that I did finish that is just sitting there in boxes. I guess it's fear of not being good enough at the business or marketing side. Okay. Right with that though, is my mother, Joanne Miller. And she said this, I hear people say they can't do this or can't do that. And I have come to believe for myself that when I say those words, it's usually not a truth. The reality is I simply don't want to work that hard. I think that is true for many situations. It's not that we can't, it's more that we just don't want to put forth the effort. Okay. So I pull that out because I really like that. It's kind of like that, you know, never quit, never quit, never quit, never. There's some things that we need to quit. And that one I've learned that when there's things, I've got this long list. I always have a list of things that I want to do, things that I want to accomplish. And yet I have come over, you know, a lot of years to realize in that some of those things, when they sit there and they're never done and they're never done that I can look back and realize on some of them, you know, I really don't care enough to do it. Let's just let that one go get it off my list and, and get the anxiety. That would be a great, that would be a good thing. Well, it's, it kind of comes into that, Tom, that thing of, uh, you know, don't let, uh, uh, bur- be of, uh, don't let great ruin good. Is that, did I say that right? Uh, I didn't, I didn't get that one right. Uh, where perfection is the enemy of great, something like that. Right. Um, where we've got, you know, I, I can only do so many things. And so often, yeah, we hear stories like Sally's here where there's something she wants to do. So my question to Sally would be, do you really want that enough? Now, if you do, yes, let's go make it happen. Do you, you know, you need to do it, but it may be one of those things that you, it's not that you can't, you just don't care enough. And, and Tom, I, I just, I think, especially for people who want to do a lot of things, we can get that anxiety and I never have, have, I, I don't know what boredom's like. There's always something I want to do, but I do have to look sometimes and realize, ah, that thing that I'm kind of berating myself for not doing maybe I just don't care enough. I'm doing great things over here. There's some things I'm investing in. Maybe I should let that one go. I I think it's a valid exercise for us all to do as we're looking at the things that we feel guilt about. Maybe we should, or maybe it's something we should let go. Yeah. You know, in our goal setting system, uh, we, we have this process and the first step is you write down everything you've ever wanted to be, do, or have. Mm -hmm. These are your dreams. You write them down. And it's unlimited. You just go nuts, everything. But the second step is on each one of those dreams, each one of those desires that you wrote down, you have to write a one sentence. Why, why do I want that? And what's funny is about anywhere, depending on your personality type, anywhere from 10% to 40% of that list disappears. Because when you start to write the, why do I want that? you start thinking about, well, I really don't want that. You know, my friend said I was good at that, but they said I should do that, but I'm not going to, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you can't have a compelling why to that dream goal or aspiration, that's not for you. Yes. So we always start with that. You write down everything you've ever wanted to be, do, or have the goals that you wanted to achieve. And then you've got to write a one sentence why. And if you can't, then let it go. Well, and I, thanks for pulling that out too. That good, that, that aspect of good. I mean, there is stereotypical school. The thing that the kid is good at, they're often motivated. Hey, Johnny, you're really good at math. You should go after an accounting degree in college or, you know, Susie, you run really fast. You should go after, you know, track and field and yada, yada. And there are so often things that a kid is good at, but then ask them, do you enjoy it? 
I'm there right now. I have, uh, my youngest son is he wins almost every running race, no matter where we put him. He, 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 he just, he wins cause he, he pushes harder than anybody and he's fit and, and well. And, uh, but he'll tell you, he doesn't really enjoy it. So right now I say, Hey, it's a good exercise just in excelling and, and succeeding. And it's, you know, good for your uh, healthy habit for life, uh, to be exercising and whatnot. So let's, you know, we'll, we'll keep entering it every year and track and cross country, but man, you do not have to go. Cause he thinks that, you know, the, the Olympic training center is just down the road from us. I, I should probably go do the Olympics that, and I'm saying, buddy, if you don't enjoy it, it's okay. You know, what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy? You can be good in things, but we so often get stuck in that. If you're good at it, you should do that. So I I appreciate you pulling that out, Tom. That's a big one. Well, hey, I hope this really gave some folks some peace with their limiting beliefs. I think we all have them. Can we excel anyways? Uh, Because you just heard a lot of people here doing a lot of things, even though they're struggling with that. And uh, let's not let it handicap us, but go do Go do anyways, Tom. So uh, let's take our limiting beliefs and go succeed anyways, eh? That's right. All right, beautiful. Thanks, brother. Love you, man. Well, friends, I trust this has you with some clarity on what limiting beliefs you are dealing with. Getting them on the table, making some semblance of peace with them, and stopping them from handicapping you. Again, I highly recommend getting Mastin Kip's book, Claim Your Power, and working through it as I am. This concept will take more than just understanding. It'll take hard work, vital legacy work for your life, though. If you got value from the show, will you let us know and mention this show specifically in iTunes uh, for The Ziegler Show? It would be a great gift to us and others interested in the show. Well, coming up next, folks, in show 635, I have a New Year's gift for you. I'm going to give you your energy back, or at least a shot at it. How does that sound? I really want you to listen here. Do you have the energy and vibrancy you once had? If not, are you okay with this reality? Have you just bought into the norm of, hey, that's aging? I hear people 30, 40, 50 who are talking about things that they used to be able to do, but now can't. And, you know, hey, a lot of people are fine with accepting this, but I think you're here listening because you're not. Uh, I, I'm not. I'll tell you that. I just turned 48. I've got nine kids, one grandchild already. I run three businesses. And I feel responsible to them to be able. And uh, I want to help them for a long time. Plus, I just have so much that I want to do and feel like I should do. It's my responsibility to use my gifts, talents, abilities, visions that God has given. And again, you're here because you're not the norm. I know you'll want to hear this message. So who I bring you is Abel James. He's the author of The Wild Diet and host of the wildly popular Fat Burning Man podcast. But let me tell you right off the off the bat, healthy eating, losing weight, things like that, that we do talk about, but you'll hear that those are just vehicles for more energy. Why energy? So you can go out and do the things that you want to do. You can have the experiences and the joys and create the things and be vibrant again. I mean, who doesn't want that? That ultimately is where you get joy. It's hard to be happy when you don't feel well, when you don't have energy. And we hear more and more people dealing with so many aspects of less energy, less ability, less mental clarity, less creativity, less critical thinking skills. There is help, folks. I really encourage you to tune into this. You can uh, beat the New Year's by being ready and getting started and having a muse, a methodology of going forth with the thought of, I want more energy so I can be more of who I can be. 
Well, folks, till then, thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.